Section fourteen of War Letters from a Young Queenslander by Robert Marshall Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twelfth of October, nineteen fifteen. My turn for leave came quite unexpectedly. This time I was lucky, for I got a motor car drive into Bologna. There were four of us, and we had a merry time. When officers go on leave, they behave like schoolboys. The respite from danger is too good to be celebrated quietly. The road to the base was very fine. We struck several good routes nationales, not paved, but white metal. We passed over very hilly country, and it was a welcome change. Bologna looked the same, full of hospitals and Red Cross workers. The crossing was smooth and uneventful. The precautions regarding submarines appeared to be relaxed, as we showed lights and did not appear to be going at top speed. I had a very interesting talk with a Russian officer and his wife. He had been wounded at Lublin, and he had travelled from Petrograd via Stalonica. He was going to the Russian embassy at The Hague. On the whole, he was pleased with Russia's prospects, and said that Japanese munitions were coming in freely. London was a surprise, for it was as dark as a village. It was dangerous to try and cross the streets at night. In Glasgow, the writer was struck by the number of women employed at the stations and as car conductors. 21st of October, 1915 i got the grand chance of a day with the fleet on war footing and it was an experience an old college chum is a surgeon in the super dreadnought battle cruiser indefatigable part of the famous squadron of admiral beatty they were at the impregnable base at rossith i shall never forget the sight i got from dalmany station the tall fourth bridge and then the mighty ship after ship extending up beyond grangemouth the launch took us past the lion and the tiger still afloat and fit notwithstanding german reports to the contrary also New Zealand, Princess Royal, and others. The climb aboard by a rope ladder gave the Tars something to smile at. I was distinctly out of my element. The officers gave me a very warm reception, and they were fine chaps. They were thirsting for news, and I was able to give them a lot. As a return, I was shown all over the boat, even to the secret spots, and the twelve-inch guns were loaded for me. That was most interesting by pulling one lever the huge gun was moved into any position by hydraulic pressure by a similar means it was loaded the whole operation being quite automatic the best part of the ship was down below waterline in the control chamber from here the ship could be steered when the bridge was shot away it was a small room surrounded with speaking tubes and dials on one side was the range-finding board for the calculations to be worked out the whole was a marvel of what mechanical skill can produce we went down to the men's quarters where we smelt the warm human odour and saw burly men in all stages of dress and undress above a band was playing for the men and games were going on the fleet is tired of getting so little to do but they don't expect the hun will ever come out but the preparations can never be relaxed for the enemy is waiting such chance they had just returned from an important duty right under the nose of germany and had made a catch of enemy trawlers the execution of nurse cavill has brought home to us what hun methods are we can't massacre women and children but we can avenge ourselves on the men and we shall the hun has set the pace against all civilized rules and he is going to get as good as he gives twenty fourth of october nineteen fifteen i have been back three days now and am settling down to the routine we had a smooth crossing but were closely convoyed by a destroyer all the way it looked as if some u-boat might have been about the train journey was very cold and we were pitched out at five a m i was travelling with a man who had a car waiting for him and so got quickly back to my unit 
we had shifted from where we were to the town with the chateau where we lived in june and july but alas this time we were not in the chateau instead the hospital consisted of a couple of rooms and with the increased number of cases due to the present bad weather the space is totally inadequate one of the functions of an ambulance is to keep back mild cases and so prevent abnormal wastage from the trenches this we cannot do and have to send everybody on the first touches of winter tend to make everyone very peevish to-day has been the limit cold and grey and cheerless driving rain all the time and mud ankle-deep another winter has set in and well do we know what to expect god strafe the hun for letting us in for all this discomfort still our comrades in the dardanelles are worse off and we have many comforts they cannot get since i have been away an epidemic of enteric has broken out among the civilians here i am not at all surprised considering the insanitary surroundings we are busily engaged in inoculating as many as will come up on sunday afternoon i did a lot of women and children and got chaffed unmercifully by my colleagues i took all the kiddies on my knee and humoured them before sticking in the needle the majority took it very well my colleague said that i looked like the old family physician to the ground and also inquired as to the size of my family as it was evident i must be a happy father to do the things i did one mite of four rushed up to me and when i lifted him up hugged and kissed me to the huge delight of everybody however i have a warm spot for the children and they reciprocate it the editor has not deleted this personal cameo picture because it throws a light on our relations with the people and is in a pleasing contrast to dark louvain from the appearance of things we are now going to settle down for the winter i don't think there will be much more activity on the front until the spring but i hope our men will be in greater comfort this time and i believe that after november leave will be given every two months i hope this is true for we want frequent changes from this depressing spot first of november nineteen fifteen the writer gives an interesting account of the actions in which the lahore division has played a very active part all through the war but the actual facts cannot be published at present after paying a high tribute to the indians he says i don't believe the average natives really understand what they are fighting for they fight because they like it but it is all in an abstract sense they have no real enmity against the hun this country is depressing enough for white men but it is more so for natives accustomed to fighting among hills and not lying in a trench for months on end they cannot understand all this strange subterranean life give them a fight in the open and they are satisfied we have seen at nerve chapelle ypres and lately in september how they can fight there are other influences which count native regiments are recruited from definite areas in india and the caste prejudice comes strongly into play their officers had been with them for a long time and they act as fathers to them more than in a white regiment they know their officers and will follow them anywhere but the casualties have been tremendous especially among the officers and new ones have taken their place they are brave men but the indian does not take kindly and quickly to a new face it is so different from a british regiment there you can slump together remnants from any regiments and the same old fighting spirit will continue but you cannot mix gurkhas and sikhs hindus and mohammedans there are very persistent rumours that we are to be taken out and that our destination is where i must not mention referring to news just received of the death of an old schoolmate who displayed great bravery in the trenches of gallipoli the writer says george was a daredevil fellow as a boy and what he did was just like him the best fighters here are always men of his stamp the pity of these brave deeds is that they seldom get recognized there are too many of them in this war to get individual recognition but to those who knew the men the knowledge is sweet 
if only the slackers could see the conditions here they could not remain indifferent i wish i could show them our men standing already thigh deep in water and rain falling every day and mud everywhere i may not have had much medical work lately but i have had abundant experience in removing wounded it is indeed the real post of honour though one does not feel it keep smiling is my motto and it helps one along i have the confidence too of my natives and they would follow me anywhere some day i may pay the price but i don't want to skulk behind because of danger don't think that i am foolhardy because i am not but if duty takes me anywhere there i must go and take all risks you will have a cable from me long before this letter reaches you foreshadowing some important changes it is practically certain that the indian corps are not going to spend the winter here i am looking forward to a long journey and then be shorn of all the little luxuries we manage to get here it is a far cry from here to <clears throat> but i should soon be able to give you a description of some new scenes and mails may be very irregular third of november nineteen fifteen to the average britisher the indian natives come under two or three classes the wiry gurkha the tall bearded sikh and possibly the ordinary punjabi infantryman but there are many other distinct types the most popular is undoubtedly the gurkha the small man from nepal comes nearest to thomas atkins of all the natives he is a cheery soul and enters into all the pursuits of the white man caste has little prejudices for him he will eat meat especially fowls and you would be astonished to see how he can drink beer with the thirstiest regular he plays football well and is always chumming up with the white soldier like most natives he is musical and i shall never forget an impromptu concert i heard before a regiment left for the dardanelles half a dozen whistles and a tin can were quite sufficient for a really good selection of waltzes and martial airs he is handicapped by his small stature and trench warfare in fact the parapet had often to be lowered but he can fight against odds last winter one regiment was surprised when practically all their rifles were out of action through having dropped in the mud they only mustered seventeen rifles in the battalion but they met the german charge and beat it off with their terrible knives the kukris like most natives they excel in scouting work but of that they have had very little so far coming from a mountainous country they are lost on these plains but officers assure me that no one can touch them in hilly country while i was with the highland light infantry i also did duty for some of the gurkhas and i was very much surprised at many things they were very cleanly and their billets were spotless the french people prefer them to any other troops because they are always helpful and clean and never go thieving the gurkha has always had a great reputation he was practically the guard of india and inclined to look down on the rest he has a good deal of reason in this claim closely allied to the gurkha is the garwal who comes from the lower-lying parts of nepal he is slimmer and slightly taller but you would probably not notice any difference previous to the war he was looked down on by the gurkha as a very poor specimen but he has had his revenge the bravest fighting of all the campaign has been done by these men especially at neuve chapelle they advanced with magnificent elan and when in a tight corner pulled themselves out in a manner which has stamped them finally as great fighters the gurkha will have to look out for his laurels and never again can he speak slightingly of his cousin the garwal the sikh is familiar to you there is no mistaking these magnificent men tall and broad and black-bearded they are an elite race and know it well in fact i think that is one of their failings it is exceedingly difficult to get a sikh to obey any officer except their own they have done great work too and have suffered severely many of them are in pioneer regiments and their record is a good one 
they look the most picturesque of all the troops their turbans with a glimpse of yellow or red ribbon showing at the forehead the beards carefully rolled up in a net and their magnificent bodies they all wear an iron coit kara on their turbans it is one of the five sacred symbols it represents the coit or disc used long ago as a weapon of offence or concealed in their long hair it was good protection from sword cuts other marks are the kutch or short drawers ending above the knee the kunda or small steel dagger and the kanga or wooden comb worn in the hair the hair is never cut short like the gurkha and it is amusing to watch sikhs sitting in the sun drying the long locks hanging over their shoulders the frontier natives afridis and pathans are a curious cutthroat lot you can tell them at a glance small heads and shifty black eyes always watching for a sudden surprise they live a life of constant vendetta and they certainly look the part of brigands they are fighters pure and simple and like to go where the fighting is thickest they are very inconstant in their allegiance and i don't think they mind for whom they fight naturally they do not form regiments by themselves but are diluted by large drafts of more loyal natives many of them shave their heads completely leaving only a greasy curl over each ear and this style of coiffure does not add to their beauty while some have deserted and caused them to get a bad name still they have done some brilliant work you can understand how the cramped conditions of trench warfare and weather conditions have tired these men to an extent even white troops would feel they are accustomed to stalk their foes behind boulders and a warfare of trenches and jack johnsons is something strange the native cavalryman has never had a chance and we know that they would do well their horses are scraggy little beasts more like ponies each man owns his horse and brings it with him when he enlists and he can ride it too one longs for the day when the cavalry can show that they are as good as their infantry comrades the native officers and senior non-commissioned officers are very fine men indeed with their grey beards they look the part and they are the most intelligent native officers usually buy commissions and are men of estate in their parts very few rise from the ranks in the cavalry the native officer usually brings a squadron of men from his village and this reminds one very strongly of the old feudal system they are entitled to a salute from white officers and privates must stand to attention when addressing them they live in messes by themselves and they are the most loyal subjects we have i formed a very high opinion of all of them whom i have met their devotion to the white officer is most marked last of all come the humble but necessary camp followers the kishti or water carrier with his goatskins full of water or brass pots carried on a pole like a chinese gardener the sweeper and the man who cleans the houses and yards and latrines i could go on to an unlimited extent on these non-caste men the caste problem has been a difficult one the fact that the natives had crossed the water was sufficient to uncast them when the forces return i believe they will all have to be recasted by their priests for a consideration taking the hindus who are in the majority the staple article of food is an oat-cake substance called a chapati made from atta or whole flour and water the flour and water are kneaded together and flattened out by hand and the cake laid on a flat piece of iron over a fire and browned this forms the sole ration of the majority of the men it is eaten alone or with a mixture of spices when the chapati has had to last more than one day a certain amount of ghee or butter is added the ghee is quite white and is really clarified butter the indian is very fond of sugar and gets a ration of gur or raw sugar in a very early stage of refinement this and water are the simple foodstuffs eaten by the men the meat-eating natives have goat and a few will eat beef each caste has its own cooks and they are very particular 
the gurkha is especially fond of fowls and eats them chopped up fine and made into a stew there is a great difference too in the methods of killing animals one lot cut off the head with a single blow others bleed them to death and each set has separate butchers i have seen goat refused by men because a drop of blood from some beef had fallen on it but after all the hardships of this campaign many of these prejudices are dying out when the troops came up first some were told that bully beef was goat and they ate it freely but we don't trifle with their beliefs overmuch the only men i know who enjoy bully are the butias men from tibet and quite mongolian in features all natives love fruit and milk especially the sikhs the sweeper or non-caste man has an advantage over the others for he can eat the sahib's leavings and does so on the whole the indian is very cleanly in his personal habits and shows a degree of modesty far beyond the white man lately we had an indian chief with us he had come out with two motor ambulances which he had presented to the cause while abroad he was given the honorary rank of captain and he was very proud of it but it was very amusing to watch him going along the streets with an umbrella in hand the cold was too much for him and he spent most of the day in his rooms in pyjamas before a roaring fire while very intelligent in many ways he displayed a childlike innocence in others just like a child if he saw anything he liked he wanted to buy it at once when he saw his first aeroplane the desire to get one was strong and he gravely said yes i shall buy a four-seater we got him a few souvenirs and took him down a safe trench and he departed supremely happy i am very much in sympathy with the indians some hard things have been said about them but people do not realize that they have been fighting continuously since christmas nineteen fourteen with no rests and have been in every fight except hill sixty and hooger i cannot give full particulars at present but when the complete history of the war is written it will be shown that they have done magnificently they stood in the breach when our new armies were in the making when they go east to get a rest they will be seen to better advantage with natural conditions more in their favour the aftermath of the war will bring many changes all over the empire and not the least of these in india end of section fourteen